Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of HR in 15. Excited, excited to be here. I am your host, Eric Budum, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. Well, it's been a crazy week in Washington, D.C., and we think it's really important for you, our listeners, to really understand what's going on in Washington, what's going on in Congress. Um, there is a lot of movement on many different things. Today, we welcome back Malcolm Slee, principal of Groom Law Group. Malcolm's going to give us a, a, an update on basically what is going on in Congress, as well as um, a little tidbit on the executive orders that President uh, Trump signed last week. Uh, I think it's uh, way too many moving parts that we're going through, but I do think that um, as much as Malcolm can provide um, to you, our audience, um, in terms of what to expect and what might be happening on some of these executive orders, I think is going to be a big um, a bonus for all of us. So. Let's get let's get right into it. Malcolm, how you doing? I am doing okay, Eric. I actually um I I I couldn't stand to be in Washington any further and I um sprinted out of town and I'm actually hiding on uh, uh near the beach in Bethany Beach, Delaware this week. Um so it's it's been a nice break. I my guess is that you're not the only one. <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately, it, it seems that uh, most of Congress has also left town, but we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, that's so I understand, uh, especially during times like this, which is uh, definitely a major concern. Um, well, why why don't we step right into uh, into into the water here? And um, what is going on in Congress? Like, what are you hearing that you know our listeners should be should know about at this point? Yeah, well, unfortunately, um, you know, the, the word of the day is uh, gridlock, you know, which is a word I think gets thrown out, thrown around a lot with regard to uh, happenings in Washington, but it's it's definitely applicable here. Um, the every, you know, I think there's there's general agreement that there needs to be some sort of new COVID-19 relief bill, uh, given sort of where we are with the pandemic and the state of the economy. Um, both both parties, I think, agree on that. that. What is really going on is there's just massive disagreement about how much money should be spent. Um, the Democratic House of Representatives, uh, passed a bill called the HEROES Act a few months ago. Um, the price tag on that was north of $3 trillion. Uh, the Republicans came out with their their own proposed COVID relief bill called the HEALS Act. Um, the price tag on that was around $1 trillion. And I think that's sort of really where the crux of the disagreement is, is, you know, is there a middle ground between the $1 trillion the Republicans want to spend and the Three plus trillion dollars that the Democrats want to spend. Um, House Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi has been negotiating with uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and uh, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Uh, those negotiations um, completely broke down a few days ago. Uh, it's really unclear at this point when talks are going to resume. I mean, the the it seems that both sides sort of think they have 
the advantage, uh, the leverage in the negotiations. Um, so I, I don't think either side wants to be perceived as uh, pressing to get back to the negotiating table. But for now, we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, it'll be interesting to see if anything can kind of uh, push things along. You know, sometimes uh, there will be an outside catalyst, like, you know, the stock market does not respond well to the fact that nothing is happening in Washington. If negotiators can't reach a compromise, one thing that may happen is Congress is going to need to pass an appropriations package before the end of the government uh, fiscal year, which ends on September 30th. So if they can't get their acts together with regard to the separate legislation, uh, what we may see is they'll attempt to get that coronavirus relief into that upcoming appropriations package. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things play out, but at this point, really nothing is happening. And what what does that mean? Like what what's the appropriate appropriation package? What is that this usually? Is, is that a budget or? Yeah, exactly. So this is basically, you know, Congress has to come up with, has to decide on the money that needs to be, you know, spent for the upcoming fiscal year. Um, this is where they sort of pack in all of the spending items. So we might see, you know, that might be an opportunity for them to stick in some items relating to coronavirus relief. Yeah, but but on the flip side, if nothing is passed now, or clearly they're not talking, right, um, as far as we know, and then the next opportunity for legislation or a package would be at the end of September. And we know in the past that that has been a rough exercise as the government basically yep. has shut down. So yep. potentially, um, what taught we we could be at a this could be a disaster. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic here, but I do want to just be realistic in the fact that if we don't get you know any type of package done now, and this is all is left to the fiscal governmental fiscal year end appropriation package, they don't agree there too. Which why would they? It's it's coming close to an election, right? Um, the possibility of a major shutdown, it would be looming as well. That is definitely a possibility. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, it, you're not being overly pessimistic. We've certainly seen that play out previously. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, the fact that this is an election year um, really is, is obviously critically important to the dynamic as well. Um, and, you know, I'm sure different people have sort of d different opinions regarding how basically a a stalemate, you know, which party would be favored in that type of scenario. But I would have to think, you know, if you are a incumbent in Congress, you know, whether you're a congressman or a senator or a president, uh, you know, you would be a little bit concerned about voters having the perception that Congress is doing nothing to address, you know, the very significant problems our, our country faces right now. Um, so that may put a little additional pressure on everybody to make a deal as well. Let me ask you just your opinion, um, knowing everything that's going on, knowing that both sides are kind of not even talking or we appear not to be talking based that you're not in Washington, D.C. You're in Bethany um, right now, which I'm jealous. Uh, <laughs> let me let me ask you, I mean, do you feel that at the end of the day, something will get done through both parties coming to back to the table between now and the end of September? You know, if you asked me to put money down, I would I am optimistic something will get done but i what i'm really looking for i think it's going to take some sort of catalyst and i i think that to me is sort of the unknown i mean it would not shock me um if the market started to get a little bit nervous if it appeared that 
you know, Congress was just giving up on the potential of future relief altogether. Because as we know, you know, a lot of businesses in this country are uh, in significant dire straits. Paycheck Protection Program has ended. That ended on August 8th. And there are a lot of small businesses out there that are really looking for uh, additional potential relief. So if it looks like the potential of that has totally dried up, I, my personal thought is that the markets are going to react at some point to that. So, so if that happens, you know, it's funny. If that happens, that might favor the Democrats a little bit, right? Because I, th I think at least Trump is, is, you know, kind of one of his main um, positives that he stresses is how good the market is doing right. So, Hey, we're not in a recession. Yeah. Nothing's at, no, it's all good. You know, the markets are reacting very well. So, but that, that might be a, a, a catalyst for Republicans to do something if, if, you know, some type of market contraction happens again, but I, but I hear you like you're, you think something needs to happen. Some type of, and in, in, in your, your term of catalyst is very appropriate needs to occur for this to, you know, kind of be a slap in the face to both parties and be like, look, you guys got to get back to the table and get it done. The American people, need this, they're hurting, and you, you have to basically do your jobs. I mean, that's kind of where we see this shaking out, right? Yep. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And again, that's sort of the big unknown is, you know, what would that catalyst be? Or, you know, will it, will it even materialize? Um, but it, it does seem like there needs to be something that, that kind of gets the process moving again. Yeah. Let's, well, one of the, I guess, things that are supposed to keep things moving, I guess, in the Republican eyes is, the fact that Trump went around Congress and said, hey, I'm going to pass these executive orders. This was, I guess, uh, a tactic to get the Democrats back to the table, which probably has not happened yet and probably won't happen. They're not budget. Mm -hmm. But let's just go into it um, really quick in terms of what those executive orders are. Can you just give us a high level understanding of what was signed last weekend? Yep, sure. So these were all um, issued by President Trump on August 8th. And some of them are executive orders. Some of them are executive memoranda. It sort of depends, I think, on, you know, sort of the, the extent to which uh, Trump's lawyers thought he could get, get away with various things. Um, but there were, there were four of them. One would extend federal unemployment insurance payments, but at a reduced rate. So as a lot of people probably know, um, first COVID Relief Act, or maybe the second COVID Relief Act that, that passed in March, the CARES Act, provided for extended uh, unemployment insurance payments of $600 per week. Um, under the Trump order, it would be extended for to $400 per week, but states would be paying $100 of that. That's sort of a, a Simplified explanation of an order that um, is pretty confusing, and I think you know comments that have been made since the order was issued by Trump himself and others in the administration. I think they don't fully understand <laughs> what the proposed and how it would work. Um, but the concept there obviously was to try and provide some of the additional federal uh, unemployment relief. Um, because that is, I think, one of the big sticking points with regard to the uh, negotiations on the current relief bill is exactly what that extended unemployment insurance should be. Yeah, um, and just one thing on that. So there's also, and he's also asked to, for states to chip in 25% of that bill, right? And mm -hmm. as well as it's like a fund, I guess, that's created where, hey, the government, the federal government will give you $400 a week until the fund expires. Like there's no money left. Kind of like 
paycheck protection program where there was a certain bank and once the bankroll goes you know expires it's gone there's no more right so yeah and my understanding is that you know i think a lot of the states don't really again there's a lot of confusion about how this would work in practice because the sure. systems are not really set up to do this and also another enormous issue with regard to covid relief is is state budgets are really really strapped right now you know tax revenue is way down given again the the economic contraction so states are not too happy about the idea that they you know would need to pitch in to provide these additional benefits their response is really you know where are we supposed to get that money from so you know the, there's a lot of questions around that um and you know we'll, some some of them may be answered in the weeks to come the second order would allow employers to defer from uh, September 1st through the end of 2020 the employee portion of payroll taxes for employees earning less than $4,000 over a biweekly pay period, um, which works out basically to around $104,000 annually. Um, that's the, the order that's probably of most interest to uh, most employers out there. Um, the third order would continue the temporary, right now um, there's a sensation on uh, the requirement to pay um, on federal student loans and interest has also been waived on federal student loans. So this third order would continue that until the end of 2020. And then the last uh, executive order is intended to uh, reduce the possibility of evictions and foreclosures. As folks may have heard, you know, there have been some questions raised about the constitutionality of some of these actions, and there could be legal challenges as well. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of questions generally about how these orders are going to operate in practice, but certainly worth keeping an eye on. Wow. So these are, these are pretty significant orders, and, and I, I think, to your point, it's going to be really hard to administer some of this stuff. So we talked about the unemployment issues there, you know, states have no money, so how are they going to fund it? Uh, on the employee portion, the social security employee portion, um, so the limit there is up to 100, basically up to 104,000 of wages. Th those employees are entitled to defer the tax, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Right. So, and, and it applies um, only to the 6.2% social security tax on employees doesn't apply to the employer's obligation. Um, you know, the, as again, folks probably know, social security is funded 50% on employees, 50% by employers. This particular tax deferral would apply only to the employee portion. And it also does not apply to the uh, Medicare insurance tax, um, which is also taken out of employees' paychecks. There had been some initial press reports saying that it would apply to the Medicare tax as well. Those are incorrect. Okay, so it's just for Social Security, 6.2%. Um, again, these are just basically, you know, orders out there. There's really been no um, guidance on how to execute those. Um, and if an employee elects to defer, there's no guidance on when they need to pay it back, or is there? That is correct. And I think, you know, the probably the most critical thing here is this wasn't addressed in the order, but there there are no there have been comments from the administration, I think, supporting this. It doesn't appear that employers have to allow their employees to take advantage of this. Um, essentially, employers could decide to continue withholding uh, the deferred taxes. Um, and in light of the lack of relief for employers, I think 
many employers are going to choose to do that because, for example, entirely clear what happens if employees who are being paid this fall, uh, if they're no longer employed when the when the tax deferral expires at the end of this year, it's not really clear what happens or who is on the hook for that. So, you know, we're going to have to wait for implementing guidance on this, but I think there's going to be a lot of employers out there that say, even though this program is available, I'm just going to keep withholding the tax because I'm don't want to deal with the potential consequences when we get to the end of the year, assuming the taxes are still due, how they're actually going to get remitted to IRS. It's too much of a hassle. I'm just going to keep my systems running in the way that they are. I, I got to tell you, it's really, it, there's a lot that needs to be, you know, conveyed here and, um, and communicated to from, from the federal government on this, because um, it's now, you know, middle of August on around and we, we got to, it's got to be in place by September 1st, apparently. So without any further mm-hmm. guidance, this is, becomes a little bit of a mess. And to your point, why, why does an employer want to go down this road if they're not sure of what the consequences are? I can tell you at Prestige, we are monitoring this very closely as you know, we're going to be as our payroll processor, the center point of this, right? Um, so we, we need to get more guidance so we can advise you, our clients and our listeners on what that might look like. Malcolm, this is fun stuff, is it not? <laughs> Never a dull moment, right? I think I think I'd rather be at the beach too. Um, <laughs> listen, we're 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 gonna we're gonna stop there, and we're gonna our next episode, we're gonna have you back if you don't mind, and we're gonna talk uh, PPP because there were some uh, recently um, new FAQs that were released regarding forgiveness. So you know, I want to get your thoughts on that and go through what those kind of changes will look like for our audience. So again, thank you, Malcolm. Thank you again. If any of you need to contact Malcolm, please contact him, email him directly at mslee, M-S-L-E-E at groom.com. Malcolm can answer any of your questions about any of the above that we talked about today. Um, Also be sure to check out more episodes of HRM 15. Um, you can hit us directly at hrin15.com or just save us as uh, a favorite in your podcast app. Thank you so much. We look forward to our next episode. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit prestigepeo.com.